Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. This is the 16th program in this series where I am in John chapter 4. And in the previous few programs, I've been speaking about the conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well. In the previous message, I spent a lot of time talking about the subject of worship. I was in John chapter 4, verse 19, where the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And I explained how this was a conflict that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews, and she brings up this conflict. As part of their conversation, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so just as Jesus redefined the phrase living water in the previous verses, there in John chapter 4, when he initiated the conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well, he gave a new definition for living water, referring to the giving of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would be given to people and that could be understood as if it was living water that would spring up within an individual such that they would never thirst again in their spirit, not in their flesh, but in their spirit, because the Holy Spirit within us will satisfy all of the desires of our heart. Our God designed us. He engineered us in such a way that we would only be satisfied in the core of our being by him personally, through us having a personal relationship with him. And so here in John chapter 4, Jesus redefines worship. Worship was well defined in the Mosaic law in the sense that there was a certain place that you would need to go to, and there were well-defined procedures, things that you would do, that would express your worship of God. Now, following these procedures, following the instructions, the directions that God gave through the Mosaic Law that would define worship, you didn't have to know your God. So when Jesus mentions to the woman at the well, you worship what you do not know, but we as the Jews, we worship what we do know, well, that can, of course, depend on the person. Because there was nothing in the law, there was nothing in the procedures or the exercise of worship through the sacraments, the sacrifices, 
and the ceremonies and the things that people would participate in, there was nothing there that would suggest that you would grow to know your God. But we do know that through the new covenant, we can grow to know our God because he who dwells within us will guide us and lead us into all truth. He is there present with us for the purpose of having an interactive relationship with him so that we can grow to know him. But in the meantime, Jesus asserts to the woman at the well that this conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews was over because the time is coming and, in fact, is here now when the true worshipers of God will not worship in one place or another place. The true worshipers of God will worship in the core of their spirit on the basis of truth. Now, in this program, what I would like to do is spend some time talking about this in a modern context to compare this with what is going on today. Today, in the Christian world, when people think about worship, when they think about the definition of worship and worshiping God, what most people mean and or believe by this is that you go to church. You go to church and you participate in what is referred to as a worship service. Now, I don't want to say that these things are bad. I don't believe that. I do believe that these things are good. I do think that it is good for people to assemble together, to go to a specific place, and to worship their God in the ways that they are worshiping God, with the music and with the singing and maybe some dancing and other things. I think that those things are good. However, through participating in these things, The overwhelming majority of people in the Christian world have forgotten or they ignore what Jesus had to say about worship to the woman at the well here in John chapter 4. This is generally ignored. It turns out that today and since the Lord Jesus spoke through all of these centuries, The overwhelming majority of people have taken the posture, they have taken the position and have effectively had the attitude that worshiping God did have to do with where you went. Now, back at this time in history, with the Lord Jesus speaking with the woman at the well, the argument was between Mount Gerizim and Jerusalem. But today, people will often argue about Which church are they going to go to? And which church should you maybe go to? And there's often a sense of pride that people have if they are at the church that seems to have the most popular worship service. And others may choose to ridicule those people who don't have those kinds of worship services and say, you know, your worship just is not really what it should be or it's not as good as somebody else's worship service at this other location. And when you talk with people about spiritual things, especially when it comes to Christianity, it normally doesn't take very long before people start talking about going to church. They will say, well, you know, I used to go to church, or I went to this church, or I went to that church, or I've been thinking about going to this church or that church, and that's all they're thinking about. They're thinking about, where do you go? Where do you go to worship? I have talked with countless numbers of people 
about this subject and about these kinds of things. And so I can say with great confidence that this has been an issue. It has been an issue ever since Jesus came and conducted his ministry in Israel. And he spoke about this in John chapter 4, but it is as if he really said nothing, especially when we look at what is going on in this present age that we are in right now. The real issue is, does a person know their God? Just as Jesus mentioned, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Well, today, to what degree does a person know their God? And I will say with great confidence, because I have spoken with countless numbers of people in various churches all over the world. I've done this. I've spoken with people. And I can tell you with confidence that it is unusual to find a person who is in a religious environment who knows their God or who considers knowing their God to be of importance. Instead, it's all about what you do. Do you follow the procedures? Do you follow the directions? Do you follow the instructions of the worship leaders who are there in your church. That's all that people are thinking about now. In the same way that people were thinking about this issue during the time of the Lord Jesus, as described here in chapter 4, it's the same struggle today. And when I talk with people about the Spirit of God dwelling within them, it can be difficult to find people who can genuinely understand that, who can connect with that, who can consider even that the gospel has something to do with the restoration of the Holy Spirit, with making a person spiritually alive. And so it should not be too much of a surprise when I tell you that the idea of worshiping God in spirit is simply not known, not understood. At best, people may redefine it as an emotional feeling, but that's not how God defines the spirit, the restoration of the spirit, being made spiritually alive and worshiping your God in the spirit. It's not about an emotional connection. An emotional connection is just fine, and I think it's good, but it is really about the subject of truth. You must worship your God in spirit and in truth. It is about having honesty. It is about having reality. It is about living in what is real and living according to the truth, not living according to things that are not true. And when people believe a definition of worship that has to do with where you go and how you do it, then they are not living in the truth or in reality. Again, these things are not bad, but they are taking away from people's opportunity to know the truth of their God, to know the truth of the restoration of the Holy Spirit as part of the gospel, to know that they are spiritually alive, and to have an individual, personal, interactive relationship with Him. Like I said, it's difficult to find someone who can have an honest and open and legitimate conversation with you, who has a genuine connection with their God, 
on the basis of the truth that he has revealed. Consider forgiveness as an example. It's very difficult to find a person who understands, knows, and believes that God does not hold their sins against them anymore. It's very difficult to find someone who knows what it means to be forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world once and for all, a lot of people still believe that God holds their sins against them. This is not true. But when people believe this, they cannot engage in an open and true relationship with their God because they're not believing a fundamental truth that is necessary to understand in order to move on and grow and mature in the Christian faith. Without this, you can't get anywhere when it comes to growing and maturing in the Christian faith. Forgiveness is the beginning of all that our God has done for us, all that he continues to do for us, and it is the foundation for everything that he may relate to us when it comes to living our lives and going through the daily struggles of life. It's very difficult for him to share anything with us without us being able to embrace this basic foundation of the gospel. And so to worship him in spirit and in truth means that you have a relationship with him that is based on truth and that is based on your spirit being made alive. This is an issue that has existed ever since the Lord Jesus presented this and it will continue to be an issue. It is not going to go away. It is going to be a continual struggle from one generation to the next. Now, moving forward quite a bit in John chapter 4, when the disciples were speaking with Jesus about him being hungry, maybe he would like some of the food that they went and bought from the Samaritans. In verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. In the previous message, I spoke about the enthusiasm that Jesus could have concerning telling others about himself, and that through this excitement he might lose his appetite a little bit, but this is a positive thing. But in this message, what I would like to mention concerning verses 34 to 38 is that Jesus speaks to the disciples about what is most important and what they need to pay attention to. This is not just about Jesus announcing that he is the Messiah, that he is the King of Israel. And it certainly is not about him establishing the Israelite throne, the Israelite kingdom, the physical kingdom there on earth. This is about something bigger. It's not just about ministering to the Jews. It's also about ministering to others, the Samaritans, and also to the Gentiles. But what Jesus says is that there are people who are ready. 
That's what he says. He uses the description of the fields, of the harvest, of sowing and reaping, those kinds of things. But what he's really referring to is the fact that there are people who are ready to believe in their God. Many people are not ready to believe in their God, but there are other people who are, and there are lots of them. And they are just waiting to be reaped in order to use that word symbolically to describe something else that is real. And what is real is the fact that there are a lot of people who do want to know their God. And they are waiting for someone to share something with them that they don't know, but they want to know. And our God has structured this world in such a way that there are people who want to know, there are people who do know because he has shared himself with them, and he wants us to participate in the reaping of the harvest. He wants us to participate with those people who sowed seeds before us. He wants participation. He wants people to be involved in the work that he is doing, And the work that he is doing is all about revealing himself to others so that others may know who he is and have a personal interactive relationship with him. That's what he's doing. And he invited the disciples to be a little bit more involved in what he is doing, to speak to others, to reach out to others, to find those who are ready, who have been prepared by others before them, by the prophets, by the law, by Moses, by religion, whatever it may be, there are people who are ready. And if they are, then go get them. Go speak to them. Be a part of the work of God. You can be a part of the work of God, and so do that. Don't just sit around as an observer watching what Jesus is going to do maybe questioning what he is going to do, or maybe you'll be embarrassed by some of the things that he will do, such as when he was speaking with the Samaritan woman at the well. What our God wants is he wants people to know him. He wants people to know him, and he wants to interact with them, and he wants to live this life with them. He wants people to work together with him. Now, what's important to realize in the context of this is that there is a limited amount of time. Every generation of people is filled with people who live and then they die. There is a limited amount of time in which our God will be able to reach out to them. And since the Lord Jesus initiated this and conducted his ministry like he did, Since he spoke to the disciples about this, there has been generation after generation after generation, and we now live in a generation of people, and many of the people around us are ready to be harvested. We have the privilege and the opportunity to speak with the people that we know today, just as others quite likely spoke with you, and you believe because of the testimony of others, other people will believe because of your testimony. And every generation, God gets an opportunity to have a new 
harvest of people. And a hundred years from now, the generation that we have today will be gone. Most everyone who is alive today will not be alive in another hundred years. And should the Lord delay his return another hundred years, which is highly probable, if he delays, then there will be a new generation of people. If you consider all of the people that live in this world right now, that are alive in this world right now, if you were to consider the population of earth, and then consider the fact that all of these people will be gone, they will all be gone soon, this is their time, this is their chance, and they will be replaced by a whole other group of people, probably greater in number than what we have right now. And so our God encourages us to speak to others about the truth and about the Spirit. We speak to others about the restoration of the Holy Spirit to humanity, about being born again, about being made spiritually alive, about surrendering to the new covenant, about living in the inheritance that we have received in Christ Jesus. This is the spirit and the truth. And when a person embraces the truth, then they can begin to know their God. And because their God dwells within them, they can have a personal, individual, interactive relationship with him and grow to know him at the pace and in the ways that our God is able to relate to them, that they are able to receive and understand. And this becomes an individual experience, not a collective experience. The worship services that people think of when they think of worshiping God are in general a collective experience. And like I said earlier, I don't think that these things are bad. But the true worshipers of God are worshiping Him on the basis of an individual experience, an individualistic experience. Those are the ones that our God seeks, and that is the kind of worship that he desires so that we may know him as a person and be a participant in what he is doing and also allowing him to be a participant in our lives and the things that we are doing and that are important to us. Now, of course, not everyone wants to believe, not everyone wants to hear this or believe this, continuing in John chapter 4, verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And that's exactly what we would expect to happen for anyone who believes our testimony, that eventually they will hear the voice of God themselves from he who dwells within them, and they will believe the truth because it's what he says to them, and not rely just on what we have said to them.
in verse 43, Now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. And in the previous program I explained that these feasts, these festivals, these appointed times were defined by God so that people would be there, so that all the people would be there. And I believe it was designed for this time in history when the Lord Jesus would come, conduct his ministry. It was for this time in history that our God established the festivals and the feasts so that everyone would be present and what God would say to them and what God would do would be public and open and there would be no confusion about who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. Now, not all of the things that he did were public. Some of the things, some of the miracles that he performed were private miracles that were done mainly for the personal needs of individuals not done for the purpose of asserting his messianic claims. He did do some miracles like this, and that's what we will see in the last part of John chapter 4. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the 16th program in the verse-by-verse study on the book of John. In this program, I spent a little bit more time talking about the subject of worship as Jesus described it, worshiping in spirit and in truth, and how that could apply to our lives today. I spent some time talking about some of the issues that we deal with today that are similar to the issues that people were dealing with back then. I also spent some time talking about the subject of evangelism, and that it's important to understand that every generation has its own unique opportunities. Today is our generation. This is our time to reach out to people and to tell them about the gospel. And there are people who are ready to hear it. There are people right now who are available to God as a person to be harvested, as Jesus described. And our God gives us the privilege of participating in his work that he has done for thousands of years. We get to participate by telling people about him. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,